Warning, the podcast you are about to listen to may have adult language and discuss adult themes not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. And now, fall is upon us to talk college football from the highest points in the country, presented by the Far End of the Bench Podcast and the Variety Sports Network, your home for Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference football, featuring Jimmy Pilato and Rev, the Problem Coca, season three of Top of the Mountain Podcast. Look at that, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. We sneaked up, snuck up on you. I should probably be able to speak oh, yeah. since I am an educator. Boys um, are back. We needed to take a little bit of a break. Rev had a change in his work schedule. Um, we were able to work around it. And honestly, I was dead tired. We were on fall break as we're talking um, right now. So I was, I needed a little bit of a second and, and we're able to kind of get that reset. And then we're back right here. Uh, top of the mountain going into, let's see, I have the schedule pulled up. I believe it's week eight. Is it oh my God, I, have week week, seven I think week seven might have been, let's see, I can count it out because I'm looking at it. One. No, two, no, you're right. Yeah. Three, four, five, six, seven. This is going to be the eighth week of the college football season. I uh, got a lot to talk about. We have a couple games that we were going to preview for you. We're just going to give you the recap. We're going to talk about the players of the week's. Uh, we have a couple games that we picked out as pretty important coming up. And then obviously we've had the date circled. We're, we're getting that much closer to it. But before we get to that matchup between Western Colorado and Colorado School of Mines, I think they deserve quite a big shout out because for the first time in school history, Colorado Mines is ranked number one in all of the Division II football polls. Uh, Ferris State ended up losing to Grand Valley over the weekend, so they moved themselves up. And I believe Western is now within the top 15 at number 12 in the country. So shout out to the Western Colorado Mountaineers, obviously Rev and I alumni from those uh, from that school. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, be sure if you're following, if you're watching, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Far End of the Bench. Uh, you can check our regular episode. It's coming out tomorrow, and uh, I'll have Sunday Scaries coming out on Friday. So if you want to catch up on all those shows, subscribe to this channel, leave a like, a comment, listen wherever you're listening to podcasts. Make sure you follow the Far End of the Bench and uh, check out the Variety Sports Network as well. Follow Rev. At Rev Coca, he's a, a contributor on Belly Up Sports with his written content. If you're a Steelers fan, you might want to go over and, and check out. Just search his name on the Belly Up's uh, website. You'll be able to find all of his writing. Rev, I know that you had a schedule change, but it honestly wasn't the worst thing in the world to take a little bit of a break. I, I don't know why we never really got bye weeks at the Division Two level. Division One hands out bye weeks like candy. It's not bad to take a bye week every now and then. Yeah, yeah definitely in this case where. Just having that bye week has also just created more separation. Just, you know, there's still teams kind of sorting it out, kind of jostling for position. And ultimately, it's kind of created a place where there are two people clearly sitting far ahead of the pack and everything else is kind of mumbled, jumbled in the middle everywhere else. But yeah, that bye week or that the bye week we had just ultimately created more clarity just with more key matchups and created time for more separation between the teams. And if I'm going to be 100% honest, it was going to be Friday the 13th that we were recording last. I'm a little superstitious. And if we would have talked again about Western Colorado and Colorado Mines having to stay undefeated 
for that matchup that we see coming down the pike, we probably would have ended up jinxing, jinxing something. So we took the announcer jinx off of what was going to happen. Um, let's go ahead. Let's get right back into it. We're talking about players of the week just to give a mention to uh, week seven. So surprise, surprise, John Matoka wins his third uh, offensive player of the week honors last weekend for week seven, two weekends ago, excuse me. Um, actually, it was Tommy Thomas. That's that's the one that we're looking at. Tommy Thomas, week six from Shadron State, uh, Jackson Zimmerman for the defensive player of the week. And then we had Darian McGarity uh, as Pueblo for, from CSU Pueblo for the special teams player of the week. That's from week six. Going to last week's players, this is where John Natokia gets his flowers for earning his third offensive player of the week nomination. Colorado School of Mines is 7-0, 5-0 in the conference. They had a huge win over South Dakota Mines, 45-22. And Matoga was a huge uh, part of that, 23 of 34 and 344 yards, 31-0 lead in the opening half. And he had touchdown passes of 37 and 57, 54 yards before he finished up with a three-yarder for his third touchdown. Um, it, it's just, at this point, it's a little bit too easy. I mean, we saw Dvorak when he was a, a quarterback at Colorado Mines. John Matoka has, has done everything that Dvorak did, and he has the possibility to do even more. If he can get Mines over that hump, and I mean, when are you going to have a better shot at a national championship than with like an eighth-year quarterback as, as the leader of your team and a guy who's proven that he's probably one of the best offensive players at this entire level in the entire country because he's already been Harlan Hill finalist. I believe he's won one. And now he's conference player of the week once again. Yeah. And although they haven't had that success of winning a championship yet, funny that you say that because he already has, well, he has just finally done more than Dvorak. I believe it was this last week where he broke Dvorak's record when it comes to all-time total touchdowns. So he's uh, coming along on the end of his college football career, breaking the records that was put in place here. So. Really, it just comes down to them not slipping on a banana peel and just him continuing to light up the RMAC. Yeah, it was his – he had his 1,000th career completion, and then he threw his 164th touchdown pass, which is what pushed him past Justin Vorak, uh, former Harland Hill and standout quarterback for Colorado Mines. That's Offensive Player of the Week. Defensive Player of the Week is a guy that we talked about again on this show quite a bit. That was Hunter O'Connor, the D lineman. He's initially from Broomfield, but he's playing for Shadron State. Uh, the junior, he so Shadron ended up getting a big win, 43-14. They're kind of back on track as, as where they wanted to be. Two sacks, one more tackle for loss, and he also forced a fumble and uh, tackled, tacked on a critical interception, which he returned for five yards, and uh, he was just all over the field. He's basically understanding that if he's going to do something, if the Eagles' defense is going to be successful, you got to rush the passer, you got to stop the running back in the backfield, and if you can intercept the ball or disrupt the passing game outside of the pass rush, do that as well. If you can do it all, Hunter, then we'll be pro we'll be pretty good. It is where where this kind of performance leads me with Shadron. Good for them, and he's obviously a really good player and deserves the recognition. Uh, but that's to me, that's a do it all kind of person, and you're going to need that in order to be successful in Shadron. Yeah, Father Dow, he's been doing a lot of heavy lifting on this Shattering team, especially on the Shattering defense over the past two years when he's been able to do bursting onto the Division II scene. I'm sure your cousins finally happy to see some RMAC success here, and now they're kind of bunched into the group of teams in that 4-3, and 3-4 three, three and four kind of 
waiting to see which of these teams are in the upper echelon, which of these teams are going to sink back to the bottom half. So good to see them having some success here. Feasting on some of the lower teams of the RMAC, but sometimes you need that to build the confidence up. And yeah, great defensive performance part for the course when it comes to what O'Connor's been doing over the last two years. When you're able to shut down an Adams, we can say what we want about Adams. You and I never really cared for them, but their offense is normally pretty explosive, and their defense was the driving factor in that win. Uh, it's a game that they don't win in the past couple of years. It's a game that they probably would have given away, but they're able to put their throats down, and Hunter O'Connor earns Defensive Player of the Week honors for his role in doing so. Special Teams Player of the Week was Jason, excuse me, Jacob Willig, the, the kicker from Fort Collins playing for CSU Pueblo. He was eight for eight on extra points, and, and he basically made sure that uh, Pueblo flexed their muscles. They needed to – they've been flexing their muscles on the bad teams for the last couple of weeks. They pounded Fort Lewis when we said there might be a, a chance for an upset. We were talking about this game because Highlands has shown to be frisky, and when you're playing in Las Vegas, things can happen, and, and you're never really sure what's going to go down. But obviously, uh, having that sure thing as a kicker, if you can finish your drives with a kick, whether that's a field goal, a PAT, or a punt, uh, and you're putting points on the board, you're finishing with the amount of points that you should, that you're desired to have, uh, that's huge, especially in Division Two, because we've been on teams where you ha weren't able to rely on the kicker. We've been on teams where the kicker was going to uh, possibly cost you the game, and when you are able to have confidence, like it's so much nicer instead of having to drive 75 yards for a touchdown. If I could drive 50 yards to get myself a field goal range and we have a shot, that's awesome. So that's, it's big for the CSU Pueblo Thunderwolves. Obviously Jacob Willig, he had a lot of opportunity to score a lot of points. He's, he's probably going to be pretty happy with his point totals after this past weekend. Yeah. It's definitely good to kind of rack up the statistics there. And I know you going back to the 2018 game against Adam state, we've been on the side of, Teams for which the special teams play was a little iffy. The kicking game is a little iffy, and that could have been one of the few determining factors of a win and a loss. So when you get that steady special teams play, it definitely makes a difference at this D2 level. Those are your three players of the week for week seven of the RMAC. We'll talk about who ends up winning them from this upcoming weekend. That's going to move us into our recap portion of the uh, program. So, Recap of the entire scoreboard from last weekend. Shadron beats Adams 53-14. Colorado Mesa beats uh, Fort Lewis in Durango 62-14. Pueblo takes down Highlands 56-7. Colorado Mines wins at home 45-22. And Western flexes their muscles 15-point victory over Black Hills. Uh, remaining perfect on the season. And as we mentioned before, bumping themselves up into the uh, upper echelon of teams in all of Division II college football. So those are our, that's the recap for everything. The games that we're focusing on, New Mexico Highlands and CSU Pueblo to start us off. So the Thunderwolves go out to Las Vegas, New Mexico, only give up one touchdown on the day in the second quarter. Um, offensive explosion to start, Chance Fuller, 247 yards passing. Uh, Howard Russell, uh, he had 81 yards rushing on the ground. Zach Rakowski, 133 yards receiving. You're getting big plays up and down, and, and I get text updates from the score since my sister's on the sidelines. Uh, so I wasn't actually watching the game, but I will tell you, as soon as Pueblo scored the first time, the floodgates opened. It was touchdown, touchdown, 21 nothing, 42 nothing, 42-7. Oh, geez. You guys, as much crap as we gave them and as bad as look coming out of that weekend at Western Colorado, they have turned themselves around and they're going to be right in the thick of things. If Western and Colorado Mines have some 
utter collapse towards the end of the season, guess who's going to be right there uh, with the pickings? They've done it before, winning a conference championship with, I think they've only won seven games in a season. And CSU Pueblo, they're not going anywhere. They, they're proving that they can still beat up on the bad teams. Yeah, follow that. You can see they're getting their confidence back after that rough one and three starts. Sure, definitely just in that situation where the coaches, the coaches, there's a lot of turnover, a lot of uncertainty. They start off one and three, but ever since then, they've just been feasting on the back half of the schedule, which is really lighting up here. You saw a chance Fuller with the typical performance with Retzlaff and Rakowski, who have been his main favorite targets throughout the season, really produce like they normally have. And yeah, it's you can really see in the second half of the year the separation between a team like Highlands, who kind of start off the season pretty hot. They've kind of hit a rough patch. Now they're the second to last team in the RMAC. And Pueblo really just, like you would say, just flexing on a weaker team here, beating them up from pillar to post. It, it's You just compare the quarterback play. Uh, Chance Fuller, 20 of 27, 247 yards, three touchdowns. He did have one interception. But over on the other side, Gage, uh, we're going to see Guardo Guardiola, uh, four of 11, 24 yards passing, one interception. As a team, New Mexico Highlands had 37 passing yards. They had a net of 121 yards on the ground, but if we're looking just They're across – 200 all game. Wow. Yeah, they, they, they were under 200 for the entire game. Uh, Ciesu Pueblo had over 200 yards rushing, and like we said, Fuller had a big day passing, and then Stevie Kroll when he came in in mop-up duty, five of five, 56 yards – and it pushes the team total for CSU Pueblo up over 308. But that defense is – they swarmed. They feasted. They had one guy go for more than 50 yards on the ground. Not only are you able to affect the passing game at that point, you are dominating up front on every every side of the ball. You can run the ball when you want to. You can stop the run. If they're going back to pass, you're going to sack the quarterback. That defense for CSU Pueblo is what they've hung their hat on, and that's, this was a performance where you're like – you look at it, and that was the defense – winning this game, giving them the momentum they needed to, and totally shutting out uh, New Mexico Highlands at home, which is not easy to do. Yeah, it's definitely the momentum that they need. Heading into their primary rival next week against Shadron State, being able to beat up on a weaker team, and now they come in a locker room full of morale and high spirits. So bring on the Shadron State Pueblo game next week. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, let's see. This weekend, it is in Nebraska also, uh, which is right, because my sister's dropping her dog off with me for the, for the weekend. So they're going to be in, in Shadron, but that is going to be – I'm interested to see what's going to happen this weekend because that is uh, – obviously, like you said, that's their natural rival. Those are the two schools that they decided to hate more than anything. It doesn't really make sense because it's Nebraska and, and Southern Colorado, but it is what it is. Uh, Pueblo gets a huge win, 56-7, to and they continue rolling right along. Other game that we're going to recap is the Mines versus Mines, the Engineer Bowl. Um, boy, how far has South Dakota Mines fallen? They're a roller coaster ride. This is, we should have just said this from the start. This is the typical South Dakota Hard Rock, South Dakota Mines Hard Rocker season, where your offense at times looks god awful, at times looks like they can't be stopped by anybody. You can put the Dallas Cowboys out there and they're still going to be able to score. Um, but just, uh, you're always in these parts where you're, Take the next step. Take the next step. You dominated Black Hills in the in the Black Hills brawl this year. In a, in a season that I didn't think you were going to be able to win, turn around and have some success behind it. Put up a fight against Colorado Mines, and you you get shut out in the first half. You're down 21 nothing. By the time you look at a, look up at halftime, 
You only muster 22 points, which granted 22 points against Colorado Mines defense this year is something. That's not the Jaden Johansson that we're accustomed to seeing. You guys have the experience at this point. This shouldn't be an issue that we have to talk about every single year for South Dakota Mines, where they never go through the middle part of the season very strong. It's just always a struggle. Yeah, looking at that box score, really, the box score does it a lot more justice than what the game really was because they, Mines, or South Dakota Mines, that is, I need to clarify, but they didn't score for the entire first half. And then you look at the sef- second half, and he threw for three touchdowns. Ben Nol- Nolan, who for the most part has been his primary primary receiver for the whole season, did pretty well. He didn't score the touchdowns, but I know he went for over 137 yards. So you saw that they're able to regroup and get some yards off in the second half. But that, but by then it was already too late. I didn't watch, so I don't know if the, at that time they were putting in backups or rotating relief players. But ultimately, as fire as exposed as the offense is going to be, you got to play for four full quarters, especially when you're going up against this Mines team, in which they're not going to hesitate to squash on our mat competition. So. Let's see if yeah, Black they, Hills State could get going a little earlier next week. Black Hills had a tough-ass schedule coming down the stretch. They go from Western, they're at Western, and then I believe they go uh, this weekend. Let's see. I always have it up, and then I move. They, they're hosting Colorado Mines, but that's still like you're still hosting the number one team in the conference that hasn't lost, and now, oh, yeah, they're the number one team in the country, and they're that for a reason because they have the studs and the players around them. Uh, we don't necessarily talk about him quite as much on this show as we probably should, but Max McLeod for the last two seasons has been an unreal passing threat at the Division II level, and he's not just a guy that can get down the field, and they do have the big stretch plays to him. He's a guy that they throw on that bubble screen that they get about 15 yards of pop on too. He can move with the ball in his hands, and uh, I will say just the discipline, you can tell, even though these are both engineering schools, you knew which one was the more disciplined team. Colorado Mines is a well-oiled machine, pun very much intended, but they just, everybody does everything very, very well. Whether it's the receivers blocking, whether it's the offensive line being in the right spot, giving Matoka a chance to throw, and if Matoka has to get rid of it or move with his legs, he's very quick to do that too. It's This is a team that has very few, if any, weaknesses, or at least not ones that I've been able to see ex- exposed this year. Yeah, at this point, it really just feels like South Dakota Mines is picking out the remaining scraps that Colorado School of Mines doesn't pick up and just trying to make a team out of that in which they definitely have they've gone to the point where they're a good wild card. They're a team that gets score points in the flurry and perhaps, you know, give a team like Mesa a scare. But ultimately it just feels like the scraps of Colorado Mines in which is a machine, they're a system, they're well-rounded, they're physical, and they they all buy into the structure. Like, this is their third coach in however many years, and it feels like they haven't skipped a beat. It is very impressive when you can have the amount of turnover because they, uh, they had their coach for quite a long time before they made that initial run to the quarterfinals a couple years ago, and then they've had back-to-back seasons where they get brand-new coaches, and, and you're right. It is not – there's not a big letdown. There's no – Oh, what was me? Anything like that. They just come in, they go to work and they're always doing the correct thing. Uh, real quickly, one more time, recapping what happened last week, week seven of Armac action. Shadron takes the win over Adams in Alamosa, 53, 14. We're going to talk about Adams just here in a second. Uh, Colorado Mesa gets the win on the road, 62, 14. Pueblo wins in New Mexico, 56, seven over Highlands. And then Colorado mines, obviously 45, 22 over South Dakota mines, Western Colorado beats Black Hills, so they run the South Dakota table just like Colorado Mines is looking to do this weekend. Uh, and then, obviously, we'll we'll talk about some of those 
other matchups. The ones we're going to focus on. So for your Adams State slash Colorado Mesa fans, I can't believe this is a game that Rev and I decided to cover because I hate Adams more than anything. Rev does does not like the uh, maroon, black, and gold of Colorado Mesa. Yet here we are. Um, this is this should be a very competitive matchup because what I've seen from these two teams so far this season, looking at box scores, looking at their records. So I have both both schools' records pulled up. Adams is currently three and four on the season, just like Colorado Mesa. Uh, I would say let's see a couple wins on the schedule. Uh, for Adams, they've kind of, I'd say the one surprising one was New Mexico Highlands. It was a hard fought game, but I thought New Mexico Highlands was going to be able to overcome them. And obviously we talked about Colorado Mesa, huge overtime win at division one opponent, university of San Diego. And then you come back and have the shootout victory over South Dakota mines. But since then tough sledding, you had your get right game against Fort Lewis. Both teams have already had that debacle of of everything, but when they play a team that's somewhat competent, as I'm looking at Shad or Adrian Adams, and the last weekend performance against Shadron was ugly, and I mean Colorado Mesa, uh, 43-7 at Western Colorado, they turn around and get blanked 52 nothing against Colorado Mines. Like both teams are in desperate need of a holy shit, let's hold on to the rope and try and stop ourselves from skidding. But I don't think either of these teams they probably played themselves out of contention for any kind of conference bid or anything like that. Yeah. I always get the feeling from Mesa that they're just young and frisky and fiery and they're going to play hard. However, just the feeling that I get from Adam State is a feeling that I've always got from them, but it's only like exacerbated and got it worse this year in the fact that they're front runners. Like they could go up against a team that there's a big stylistic or physical advantage of, or maybe a team that's just right behind them. They could squeak out a game against Fort Lewis or they could, you know, beat a New Mexico Highlands or a team like that. But each time they've lost, I don't even think they've kept them within three touchdowns. Like, they seem to get – like, whenever one thing goes wrong with Adam State, everything goes wrong with Adam State. So Are you ready for this? So the losses this season for Adams at West Texas, 28-7, at Colorado Mines, 70-7, to uh, at Colorado University Pueblo, 43-10, to against Shadron State at home, 53-14. to those are the losses that, that Adams brings to the table. If we're going to do the same thing for Colorado Mesa, they got killed first weekend against Kingsville, 30-10. to 10. Uh, Ended up winning the next two weeks. And then the two-point loss against Black Hills at home, and obviously 43-7, 52-nothing. Uh, you can look at it and say that Mesa's had a couple more impressive victories because you're right, when Adams gets killed, they get absolutely thunderstruck. Uh, 70 points. I've never given up 70 points in a legitimate football game. And, and there were a couple times where we probably should have talent-wise, but that's just a pride thing at that point. And I, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not trying to be a Western fan to tell you Adam State fans what I'm sure you're very aware of. You guys have no mental toughness. Rev is correct. You guys are front runners. When things go well, then you're all good. It's like playing a team from Montbello. I know you used to play in, in AYL. The Falcons, yeah. <laughs> they, they'd have some great athletes, guys that nobody can no. tackle. But as soon as you hit him one time and he doesn't get able to go outside, they start turning on each other. They start fighting in the huddle. They start screaming at each other on the sideline. That is Adam State to a T, yet you're trying to play Division II college football. you got to get a coaching staff in there. you got to get a culture in there. You're you're dirty. I, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty weird recruiting experiences when it comes to Adam State. Their coaches have told me some pretty wild stories that I'm not going to repeat here because it's 
no use getting them in trouble. And it's really not worth it because I was never going to go to Adams in the first place. But there's a reason why you have this feeling. And there's a reason why you always have front runners. And I will tell the story again. We had a guy coming off of a seven-year stint in prison playing middle linebacker for Adams State, my true freshman year, redshirt freshman year, attempted manslaughter with a brick. What? He's yeah, 30. He kicked out a boulder for that one. Yeah. He's he's 30. You guys got to figure this out. Uh, what's your prediction? Who, who do you think is going to come out on top? It is in Grand Junction. I think that's that's one thing to mention. It is the homecoming game for Colorado Mesa. Um, I I don't necessarily think that Adams is going to be able to get off to a hot start, but I'll let you make your pick first. Yeah, it's tricky in the case that Mesa's offense has been erratic at times, but I think they can rely on the receiving play of Keenan Brown, who has been their go-to guy all season, and they could at least rely on that to get into an offensive rhythm. They have a capable passing game yet yeah, the mistakes are there it's a high count of interceptions but they can move the ball through the air and also that home field advantage against a team in which Adams can be good like if they're if they play ahead they can put up points but I think this away territory Grand Junction is a very hostile environment to play in once they get going I just feel like Adams State's going to turn on each other you know it's a culture full of JUCOs you know they haven't had a lot of time to bond with each other. The chemistry isn't always as at a high, and you always see that in their losses. So I could just see this as a game that maybe is competitive in the first half, but once they get the rhythm of Keenan Brown and his offense going, once his defense can cause some turnovers with Jason Tome, who has four picks on a year, it's going to get ugly really fast. And as the game goes on, maybe as the second half gets in, Mesa's just going to pull ahead and make it ugly. I really think because I, I feel like Mesa is going to have a lot of juice because they're probably more aware of what they are than Adams in their locker room. Um, but Mesa's had a couple of players that won special teams player of the week. They have a couple of guys that are dangerous in the return game. I could see a huge return to start the game or at some point early on, Mesa is going to get a huge momentum swing. And that's what happens. That's why special teams is there. If you have good special teams, you can ignite a fire. So maybe the offense starts off slow. Maybe the defense gets a stop. And then all of a sudden, a big punt return, you set yourself up with either a short field or you return it to the house. That's your momentum that you need, and that's the that's the dagger for Adam State. If Adam State gives up a, a long kick return, an interception return for a touchdown, anything like that, I just see them going into the tank. So I'm agreeing with you. I think Mesa's going to get the win at home for homecoming week, and uh, Adams is going to continue their slide. I don't know if they're going to be able to win. We'll take a look at their schedule coming up, but getting past three wins for them this season – uh, maybe a little bit out of the cards as we only have four weeks left in the regular season. Um, other game that we're going to talk about, make our predictions for number one team in the country, Colorado School of Mines or Diggers going to Spearfish, South Dakota to take on the host State Yellow Jackets. Black Hills four and three on the season. They're uh, three and two in the conference. Colorado Mines, perfect undefeated record uh, with names on their hit list, such as number three, Grand Valley State. Number four, Angelo State. That one was on the road. Uh, they beat up Pueblo 55-14. They beat up Adams, scoring 70 points on them. They just came off back-to-back weeks where they put up 90 points combined and only gave up 22. Uh, Colorado Mines is just as good as advertised. They're everything that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, and they may be, they might not be better than the team that they had last year, but they play very well together. They're a well-oiled machine. I guess I'm going to ride that pun all the way to the rest of the, to the end of the show. Uh, 
What is, we're just going to talk about, because we know all the good things that Colorado Mines does. What is Black Hills' best opportunity to be able to pull out a win? Is it, do they have to go to bed with and flush an ice cube down the toilet, wear their pajamas inside out so, to hope for some snow on Saturday? Maybe slow down this offense of, of Colorado Mines? Or is there a way that Black Hills can can beat the number one team in the country? Well, their best bet is just, just to jump on them early. I remember last year, Western Colorado made it a game against Colorado Mines, which they got off to an early start. And I think Black Hills State has some capable weapons, especially on the offensive side of the ball, in which they can make Mines sweat a little bit. You know, The play of Tanner Clarkson so far this season has actually been pretty steady, pretty reliable. He's getting the ball out to his players with Hassan Williams and TJ Chikora, which have both had very productive seasons at receiver. Nolan Nolan Sussel, I don't know how to say the last name, but he's been a quality dual threat, which you see he has seven seven rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns. It's kind of been their all-purpose back, so he – Tanner Clarkson has three liable weapons in which he could really use in which if they get going early, if they can get solid offensive line play to give him time to distribute it to his weapons, then maybe by the, by, by halftime you're looking at a game and you're thinking, how is Black Hill stayed up by three? And the goal really is just to get going early and maybe that gets Colorado Mines in the funk. I mean, usually they're very disciplined. You don't really see that very often from Colorado School of Mines, but... Who knows if they could get going a little early with Clarkson at QB, Sussel at running back, and Williams and Jacora. If their primary weapons could show up and be as reliable as they've been for the most of the season, then maybe we're talking about a ball game through three quarters. I'll tell you what would make me feel completely different about this weekend's matchup is going back two weeks when we talked about Black Hills in the Black Hills brawl against South Dakota Mines. We, I mentioned that you're the home team in the rivalry this year. You have the home field advantage. It's not much of a home field advantage because the other team only has to go 30 minutes away, but you got to be able to use that. You got to win the games that you should win at home. And not only did they not win the Black Hills brawl, they got absolutely boat raced by their in-state rival who is also struggling this season, 49-14. I would say that you have the advantage because Colorado Mines is going to be on the 12-hour bus trip all the way up. It's going to be dark. It's going to probably be cold. My only issue is if I'm gonna um, if I'm gonna peg a team in the RMAC that's not gonna get affected by the weather or extenuating circumstances outside of themselves, it would be Colorado Mines. So maybe as much as this home field advantage is going to help the travel schedule, possibly bad weather that Colorado Mines hasn't had to deal with yet this season, maybe you can rely on that. But if I'm gonna be a betting man, if I'm gonna make a prediction on this game, I'm gonna be making it with the team that I just have full confidence and trust in until they prove it otherwise. So I'm picking Colorado Mines, and I'm sure you, you probably have some th- similar thoughts, but who do you think is going to come out with the W? Yeah. Well, follow that, I'm picking Colorado Mines. However, yeah, you do bring up a good point in how weather could potentially affect things. And, well, Landon Walker and Noah Roper, their running backs, has kind of been a one-two punch of Colorado Mines, haven't necessarily been, like, slouches, but who knows what would happen if – there's a bad weather game and that affects the passing game that affects their rhythm. And all of a sudden, you know, they have to rely on a running game in which hasn't been the same ever since Michael Zeman has left. And all of a sudden they're having to rely on that and they have to go through their plan B. Yeah. They have the offensive front, which I think they could do it competently, but who knows what if 
the whole entire game plan switches up because going to that Spearfish, South Dakota environment, which is always very cold. Both the times I played there, it was snowing. So, yeah. yeah so That was the one time I saw Coach Hahn actually shiver and show some weakness. By the second <laughs> half, he's... His hands were in his pocket, and he was trying to play in a cool, like, hey, guys, you better not wear your long sleeves. Play you guys can't wear sleeves. What are there. you? I see you. I see your lips. I see you shivering. You can try to play it off all you want, but we see it. <laughs> You'd be crying if your tears weren't frozen to your face right now. You <laughs> sadistic. Yeah, I'm not going to finish that. Um, that's our, So we both have Colorado Mines. That's our predictions. I have the D2Football.com rankings pulled up. Let's talk about this here. So in the, these rankings, so it's a little bit different than the AFCA ones. Colorado Mines still number one. They have Grand Valley. They're still hanging around. They're not going anywhere. They're number two. Pittsburgh State at three. Excuse me, Minnesota State at four. Those teams are all undefeated. Ferris drops from one to five after losing to Grand Valley. Western Colorado comes in one behind West Florida. I've seen West Florida play a couple years ago. They were in the NCAA championship I believe it was three years. It was the year before uh, the pandemic happened. So I believe it was in 2019. I watched them play in that one. They're a good team. Western Colorado, though, they're steadily moving up. And this weekend, uh, let's see, I have the schedule pulled up. Where They are hosting Adams. Nope, they're hosting New Mexico Highlands in Gunnison. They're hosting Highlands. Um, Highlands has gone into Western and upset them before. I called one of those games on the radio. Uh, we've said it for the past few weeks. Mines and, and Western both have had a, a gauntlet of trap games because you can't tell me that people in Golden are looking over to Gunnison and thinking, oh, my goodness, what, what would that be like if we're undefeated going up to play against them and vice versa for people that are in Gunnison and, and all the people that I know that are either currently watching this show or will watch the show at some point when I post it in all the groups. This has to be a, a game where you take it seriously. If you take it seriously, you set yourself up for it's the biggest game for Western Colorado football since, you know, when they they're winning RMAC championships back to back. It's it's the biggest game for Western Colorado's program since the Carney game in, in 2021. It, it's it, you, there's no argument. No, it would be. No. And, and there's probably more on the line. I know that was a playoff game. That was no expectations. Everybody was just so happy that you were there. This year, you have expectations. This year, because you've proven it the last few seasons, and you've always proven it against Colorado Mines, that you play them tough no matter what, no matter where it is. But you have to take care of business this week. I I am sure that they've heard it. They're probably sick of hearing about it, because I know Coach Baines, you know Coach Baines, Coach Van Grohl, Coach Hour, all those guys are going to be telling them, if we lose focus this week, that – Saturday matinee that we're going to have in Golden next weekend loses a lot of its luster. Take care of your business. Go one and know this week. Continue to prove why you should be in the top 15 of the country and why you should continue to move up. But I, I think we should give those two schools a shout out. Obviously, the RMAC is notorious for having at least a couple teams contending for the playoffs every year. And for the past few seasons, when it's been Western Colorado as one of them, uh, I'm wearing my stuff. Rev's wearing his Western stuff. It's just a cool thing to be able to be a proud alumni and see where the guys have put the program because that it's it's pretty much established now. I'm hoping that they're able to continue it, and I'm hoping what I say, I'm knocking on wood as we speak. Um, but they they deserve the recognition, they deserve the shout out for where the where they've been able to put themselves in in the um, rankings conversation. Yeah, I would like to think they have too much fortitude to come out and lay a 
food sack years, you may school Highlands, but I do remember the game in 2019, our senior game. And yeah, it was a different, definitely a different scenario. You know, we're now more, I mean, Western's a lot more of a winning culture now, but we've been there where things kind of felt a little lackadaisical. People were joking around. New Mexico Highlands comes around their senior day. And we're thinking there's no way we can lose the Highlands. And then guess what? Our offense just shows up stale as ever. And we're looking by the end of the game and New Mexico Highlands squeaks out of, I don't remember the score, but it was a very low scoring. It was like three big plays in the entire game separated the entire score. Yeah, like it, and that was I think that was like a charity game because like that year one of the dorm rooms flooded or I don't know if it was like a pipe or like a pipe explosion yeah. whatever happened. And we were gonna try to donate by each and every touchdown. We would donate this amount to the apart I mean to the apartments and we laid a complete goose egg. I don't even think we scored one touchdown that entire game. So yeah. I think Western right now they got too much fortitude, too much grit to let that happen to them. But ultimately Highlands, they got a competent rushing game. You know, they got a running attack. They're always going to have these athletes every, like, every once in a while. It's not a great defense, but you'll always see like two or three people who stand out in that crowd, maybe a Division One bounce back or something like that, in which, yeah, you got to take those guys seriously because they'll have some athletes. It's going to be a tough matchup. Other matchups coming up for this weekend, CSU Pueblo going out to Shadron. That game kicks off at uh, noon Mountain Standard Time. All these games are going to be able to be streamed on the RMAC network if you're not able to make it out live. Uh, Fort Lewis going up to Rapid City to take on the South Dakota Mines Hard Rockers. That game also kicks off at noon. Highlands Western will be at 1 p.m. in Gunnison, Colorado. Adams and Mesa also at 1 p.m. And uh, Mines at Black Hills. So you're going to have to do some strategic screening if you want to watch all the games, but they're all starting around the same time. And obviously we touch on the matchups that we think are going to be the most important going into um, this upcoming weekend, week eight of the RMAC football season. Let's take a look at these standings before we get out of here. Uh, it was a good bounce back episode. I feel like we're ready. We've, we've recovered from our adversity, and now we're going to be ready to rock and roll all the way through, uh, hopefully a deep playoff run. Uh, speaking of the playoffs, our number one team in the country, currently the number one team in the RMAC, and I'm going to say that it's not just because of the alphabet. It is true. you got to be able to beat the best if you want to be the best. Colorado Mines. 7-0, perfect on the season, along with Western Colorado, also 7-0 and 5-0 in the conference. Both teams on seven-game winning streaks. Uh, both teams on a collision course for a possible huge showdown next weekend in Golden. Um, those two have the, the tie for first currently. Black Hills, CSU Pueblo, Adams, Shadron, and Mesa, and South Dakota Mines. They're all, or excuse me, Black Hills and Pueblo are tied for the second-slash-third spot. Adam Shadron, Mesa, and South Dakota Mines are all tied for the technical fourth spot. However, that one's going to work out. That's the upper quartile of the conference. We've obviously, we know who are down at the bottom there uh, with Highlands and Fort Lewis. But out of those few schools that I mentioned, a couple clumps, um, is it more surprising for you to see CSU Pueblo hanging around that three spot? Or is it more surprising for you to see uh, just how far South Dakota Mines has fallen because we had such high hopes for them uh, the last few weeks of the season? Um, honestly, wouldn't be surprised if South Dakota Mines could maybe climb themselves up to maybe finish with like a respectable six and five. But yeah, they just kind of come across some rough times. Like, keep in mind that the last two weeks they played Colorado School of Mines and Western, so it's not necessarily so surprising that they're at three and four now. It's just that they just came across a rough patch 
patching the schedule. But looking at where things are now with those four and three and three and four teams, you really have to look at both the South Dakota teams and CSU Pueblo as teams that can maybe climb themselves out of a deficit or out of wherever they're at right now. I'm very curious to see how that CSU Pueblo and Colorado Mesa game and what happens there. I think Pueblo has a more reliable offense. You know, you have Chad Fuller playing well. You got Keon Martinez and Howard, well, Howard Russell at running back. And I think they're a little steadier. So I definitely would like to think that Pueblo would be one of those teams that could climb themselves into the upper half of the RMAC. But the South Dakota teams are not too far behind. In terms of any surprises, maybe maybe Adam State being within that group is a little surprising, but they're going to, you know, their schedule gets a little rougher now. I see them moving down towards New Mexico Highlands, Fort Lewis. Uh, we tried to give Fort Lewis as much shine as we have. We probably talked about them more than what they've been putting out onto the field. Still winless. They have not won a game since October 5th, 2019, but New Mexico Highlands at 2-5 and five on the season and Fort Lewis at 0-7 bring up the rear when we're talking standings-wise. That's a, an overall look. We gave you a couple previews. We gave you a couple recaps. We're obviously going to be back. Uh, we'll figure out what day it's going to be because it is based off of Rev's work schedule, but we'll definitely be back next week to try and have a recap. We'll talk about the big games coming up, and then we got a preview, this hell of a matchup that we may have next weekend in Golden on October 28th. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm going to get through fall break. I'm going to get through that week that we have to come back solely so that I can go sit out in Golden and possibly see Western and, and Colorado Mines go at it undefeated. Yeah, let's cross those fingers, man. It's, it's literally a game away, man. Just don't slip on the banana pill. Highlands is game. If you let them stick around in the game, they will stick around. And Black Hill State is no slouches. But just cross our fingers because just the level of stakes that will go into that game. Because I was there two years ago, and both teams were undefeated in Mines and Western. And just, it just having that game go into overtime, it just – it felt special, and I don't know. We deserve to have that type of matchup here in the RMAC. I'm hoping for it. I'm looking forward to everything. Everybody, we appreciate you tuning in, whether you're listening live, listening back to the replay. Be sure to subscribe, follow at FEOTB Pod, follow at Rev Coca, um, and check out the Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore for all the things that you can get. If you're looking for more sports content, we got plenty of it for you, and we got a whole bunch of different categories so anything that you're looking for, check us out, Variety Sports Network, Far End of the Bench. We'll have Sunday Scaries coming up either tomorrow or Saturday. New episode of the podcast drops tomorrow morning early. So if you're an early riser and you want to listen to it for work, you have it there available to you. And be sure to follow at FEOTB, FEOTB Pod. Tell a friend to check out the show and everything like that. We appreciate it. Um, for myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Rev Coca, enjoy the RMAC football schedule this weekend. We will catch you guys next week.